And so today I want to start a short series of three sermons based on these three verses found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Here they are starting in verse 16. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Jesus Christ for you. So if you want to know God's will for your life, do you? Here it is right here in a nutshell. Rejoice, pray, give thanks. That's God's will for you. Today we're going to look at the first verse which says, Rejoice always. Now this is the shortest verse in the New Testament as it appears in the original Greek language. In our English translation, the shortest verse in the Bible is found in John 11.35. And it says, Jesus wept. So we can really say, in a sense, that we have two shortest verses in the Bible. In the Greek Bible, it is rejoice always. And in our English translation, it is Jesus wept. Quite Quite a contrast, isn't it? From weeping... To rejoicing. But that really shows us the range of emotions that God has built into each and every one of us. Well, 1 Thessalonians 5.16 might be the shortest verse in the Greek New Testament, but it describes the highest kind of living that you can do. That is rejoicing. So let's begin by defining joy. What is biblical joy? Well, the Greek word that Paul used here refers to the unique uplifting and ongoing cheerfulness of every born-again believer. It is the quality of gladness that radiates, or should I say, should radiate from our lives. It is the helium of the soul that makes us airborne. It is the cork-like quality of our hearts that keeps us buoyant on life's seas. Yes, there are certainly moments in life in which sadness and sorrow befalls us all. But you know what? By and large, our default attitude, our go-to attitude, our baseline attitude should be one of uplifting, ongoing joy, cheerfulness, and gladness. I'm not going to go on until you put a smile on your face, all right? Because that's what it should be. Our baseline attitude should be one of joy. You know what? It has amazed me to discover what the Bible says about the believer and joy. For example, number one, did you know that joy instantly improves our personalities. Boy, you're a tough group. It does. Joy, God's joy instantly improves our attitudes and personalities. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. But about the Son, He, God the Father, says, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. And righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore God, your God, has set you above all your companions by anointing you 
with the oil of joy. Or as some translations say, the oil of gladness. Now what you need to understand, church, is that this is a messianic passage. It is literally a quotation taken from the Old Testament, Psalms 45. And it says that God the Father has anointed Jesus the Son with the oil of joy more than all of His companions, referring to His brothers, that is, His fellow human beings. So what that means is this. God the Father has anointed His Son, Jesus Christ, with more joy than anyone else on planet Earth. Now when you read and study the Bible, there are times when you encounter these wonderful figures of speech and these symbols and these metaphors that sometimes they just kind of, I don't know about you, but they make my head spin. And here's one of them. The oil of joy. It made me stop and think, now what in the world is he talking about? What is the oil of joy? Well, in biblical times, oil was the base substance for fine, rare, and expensive perfumes. It was a cosmetic. They didn't have hand lotions and skin moisturizers like we do today, but they did have olive oil, which is history's original body lotion. And they learned how they could add precious fragrances to make it aromatic. There are many references in the Old Testament to richly spiced or perfumed oil. But this is a special kind of oil. This is the oil of joy. It is the name of the perfume that God dispenses. It is the sole moisturizer that makes us warm and tender people. It is the fragrance that makes us pleasant to be around. Apparently some of you didn't wear it today. It's to exude from our personalities the way lovely fragrances exude from someone who has anointed themselves with a pleasant perfume or a cologne. I, guys, I learned a long time ago not to buy my own cologne anymore. See, here's, the, here's the reason why. My wife has a very sensitive little nose. And there are a whole lot of colognes that uh, they, they just don't do it for Miss Angie. Yeah, they kind of turn her the other way. So I learned a long time ago just to let her pick out the cologne that smells good to her. So then, in effect, I smell good to her. Yeah. Well, the other day I met with a bunch of my preacher friends. They were they were here in town from all over the country, from Georgia, Tennessee, Oklahoma. And we were meeting together, and that morning when I got ready, I, I put on a couple of squirts. You know, after I spray it on, I can't smell it anymore. I mean, I just spray it on it, you know. I'm nebulous to it, but I, I put it on a little extra because I was going to meet my friends. <laughs> and I met him. We greeted each other and given them the man hug. Y'all know the man hug. Yeah, you, you, you always put your arm between them when you hug them, you know. We was giving each other the preacher man hug. And one of my preacher buddies said, mm, you smell good. Now let me tell you something. I consider myself to be a manly man. And I don't much like it when other men tell me I smell good, all right? 
But this guy's a good friend of mine, and I know what he meant by it, you know. And so anyway, it was, it was a fun thing. But you know what? You understand what I'm talking about. Sometimes you can smell people, and they smell good. They smell good. And this passage says, in effect, that Jesus Christ was anointed with the oil of gladness. That is the perfume of joy more than anyone else in all of history. I'm quite sure that we have underestimated just really how joyful Jesus was when He was on this earth. But let me tell you something. No one could have drawn such multitudes unto Himself based on a somber, dour spirit. Jesus must have had a magnetic smile, a flash of cheer in His eyes, an enthusiastic attitude about life more than anybody else on planet Earth. He was upbeat. He was positive. He was excited. He was anointed with the oil of gladness. And He didn't have just a little bit of it. He had gallons of it. He had metric tons of it. He had rivers and lakes and oceans of it. And not only does He enjoy it Himself, what He wants to do is pour it out on us. Now how do I know that? Well, because this phrase, the oil of joy, is found one other time in the Bible, making three references to it in all. We've seen it in Psalms 45 and in Hebrews 1, referring to Jesus Christ, but it's also found in Isaiah chapter 61. This too is a messianic passage. It is a prophecy by the prophet Isaiah about the coming Messiah, Jesus Christ. And this is what Jesus is going to do. Psalm six, or Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all of those who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. You see, God the Father anointed God the Son with the perfume of cheerfulness more than anyone else on planet earth. But God the Son wants to do the exact same thing for you and for me. He wants you to wear the cosmetic of inner joy all the time. And to do so instantly improves your personality and mine. I read not long ago about this man who smelled good everywhere he went, no matter what he did. His skin and clothing and his very being seemed to exude a, a pleasant fragrance. And the reason for that is because he worked in a perfume factory for years. And he breathed these aromas every day. They filtered into his clothing. They penetrated into his skin. They even filled his lungs. He became a walking 
perfumery. <laughs> you know what? When I read about that, I thought to myself, that ought to be happening to everyone who calls themselves a follower of Jesus Christ. I know we all have different personalities, don't we? <laughs> oh, now I've gone to meddling, haven't I? No two people have the same personality. God makes us unique both in body and in spirit. You know, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I wish I had a better one. Sometimes I wish you had a better one. But no matter what kind of personality we have and no matter what yours is like, it can be improved instantly with the spray dispenser of God's perfume of joy. I don't think you got that. I know this is a horrible illustration, but it's the best I could come up with. You know, there, there are some men's bathrooms in certain restaurants and places that if you go into them, they've got this, this wall dispenser. If you put enough money in them, they will spray out a cologne. So if you're out with your lady and you're not smelling too good and things aren't going very well, you can go in, put five bucks in, however much it costs. I've never used it before. And then, <laughs> Thank you. I figured they probably were, Jason. But you didn't hear that in the balcony. He said, those are horrible. I'm, I'm sure they are. But here's my point. God has a dispenser. He's willing to spray out this perfume of joy. He's willing to dispense it on you. All you've got to do is ask Him for it. Here's what I know. Biblical joy instantly improves and enhances any personality. Joy puts a smile on your face. It puts a sparkle in your eye, a bounce in your step, a warmth in your voice, a confidence in your heart, composure in your demeanor. Joy instantly improves any personality. Woo! Some of you need a spigot full of it today, you know? There's a second benefit to joy. Number two, joy dramatically increases our strength. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10 is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. The Bible says, Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. In Nehemiah chapter 8, the prophet Ezra called together the remnants of exiles who had returned and rebuilt the temple. He had built this huge platform so that he could stand on it, so that everyone could see him and hear him. And from there, he read the scriptures to these people. They had never heard the word of God. They had found the Bible tucked away in the temple. And so he brought the word of God out. And for the first time, these exiles were hearing a word from God. Verse 8 says that he read from the book of the law distinctly. He gave the sense and he caused the people to understand the reading. And if you've ever wanted a good definition of biblical preaching, that's it. That's what we're supposed to be doing with the word of God. Well, when the people heard the word of the law, they wept. And they were grieved because they realized they hadn't been living for the Lord. 
But Ezra did something that to me is just mind-boggling. He told them to stop their grieving. He said, stop your weeping. He said, you go and enjoy yourselves. Eat and drink and observe this as a happy, holy day. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Reminds me something that Francis Schaeffer once said, that God intends for Christianity to be fun. He does. So do not grieve. For the joy of the Lord is your That is God's The joy in knowing Him. The joy in having Jesus as your Savior. The joy of having the Holy Spirit living in your heart. It's God's joy that gives us strength. You see, joy is the power plant of the Christian life. It is what produces energy inside of us. It generates a constant stream of strength. When you have the joy of the Lord inside of you, you can keep on going. You can take a licking and keep on ticking. You're a much stronger person. You're stronger emotionally. You're stronger spiritually. You're stronger physically and mentally. Why? Because the joy of the Lord has become your strength. I told the first service, I want to tell you a story that I've told you before, but we're all getting older and you've probably forgotten it. Years ago, I attended Southwestern Seminary. So the last couple of weeks ago, when we were back in Fort Worth for the National, I took my family through seminary and, and showed them where I went to school there. And, and uh, my kids had never seen the cemetery before. That's what we called it back then, the cemetery. It's actually seminary. Uh, when I was a student there, I always wanted to take uh, Dr. Joel Gregory for, for preaching. He was, in my opinion, the best biblical preacher in the world at the time. Uh, he was a preaching professor. I never could get into his class, but I loved to hear this guy preach. At, at that time, he was pastoring Gambrel Street Baptist Church, which was just across the road from the seminary. And I heard him preach a sermon in which he told this story. One, I believe it was a Friday night, he received a call late in the night that told him a young seminary student who was in his class and attended his church, his house caught on fire. He and his wife had a newborn baby. The husband and wife climbed out the window. The husband went back into the house to save the life of their baby. And when he went back in, he never came out. The wife had survived. She was at Harris Hospital in Fort Worth. And as Dr. Gregory drove to the hospital, he said, I ask myself, what in the world can I say to this woman? She's lost everything. Her home, her clothes, her possessions. She's lost her husband and her new baby. He found the room. He said the door was open. He could see her sitting on a bed. Curtains were almost closed, but, closed, but there, there she was sitting there. Her face was still soot covered. But when she looked up and saw her pastor, she said, Pastor, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Gregory said, that's not the first time she said that. 
In fact, he said, I knew when she said it. She said that many times in her life. That was her go-to verse. She had said that time and time again. She had depended on the Lord and on His strength. And so when she needed it the most, it was there. i tell you something, friend. The joy of the Lord, the joy in knowing Jesus, the joy of walking with Him every day, the joy of having Him as my Savior and friend is my strength. But not only does it improve our relationships and increase our strength, joy completely transforms our worship. Did you hear that? Joy transforms our worship. Psalms 100 verse 1 says, Make a joyful noise. Oh, I like that. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord all ye lands. That is, all of you people. When we worship with enthusiasm and when we sing with vigor and when we clap our hands with a sense of gladness in our worship. Well, at least that's what I believe it means when it says make a joyful noise unto the Lord. When we do this, we're worshiping God. The next sentence says serve the Lord with gladness. Same word for joy. Serve the Lord with joy. So, if we make outreach visits, it needs to be done with joy. If we teach we worship or help out in kids' church, it needs to be done with joy. If we sing, which we should be doing, we should have a joyful expression on our face. You know what? It gets even deeper than that. If you're washing dishes at home, or if you're running the vacuum cleaner at home, let me tell you, it needs to be done with joy, for even the simplest acts of life are done as unto the Lord, and they need to be done with joy. Joy is to our daily Christian duties what blossoms are to a rose bush, or what a flag is to a flagpole, or what icing is to a cake. We are to serve the Lord, all right. But we aren't just to serve Him with any old attitude that we choose or feel. We aren't to serve Him with weariness or drudgery or worry or anger. We are to serve Him with joy. Did you know that this same truth, which is stated here in the positive, is stated in the negative? In Deuteronomy chapter 28, listen to verse 47. Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything, therefore you shall serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you. How terrible to serve the Lord with any other attitude than that of a continual source and supply of joy. So you know what? Whatever we do, we need to do it with joy. Not only that, number four, joy can bear us through tough times. Again, another one of my favorite verses is James chapter 1, verse 2. My brethren, count it all 
joy. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. You see, church, joy doesn't leave the room when trouble walks in the door. In fact, that's just when joy digs in its heels and it takes a stand. And you need to understand what James is saying here. He said, you as believers need to count it, consider it, all joy, pure joy, unadulterated joy, when, not if, but when tough times come knocking on your door. Because they will. It's not if it's going to happen, it's when it's going to happen. But you know what, James, James has been described as Christianity in real shoe leather because he's so practical. He's saying you are going to have tough times, but you know what, as a Christian, if you're a Christian, okay, if you're a Christian, you are to see these troubles and trials differently than the world sees them. Now, when something bad happens to a person who is unsaved, they just, oh, the world's against me. Things are going bad. They, sometimes even church people get mad at God when things go bad in their life. You know what I'm saying? James is saying wrong attitude. Don't look at it like that because that's not why God is doing it. God is doing it for a purpose. God is doing it to build something into your life. And that is perseverance and character and toughness. There is a reason for every problem you face. God is chiseling away at your life and taking out all the bad stuff and replacing it with good stuff so that you can be just like Him. Can I tell you something? If, if life were a downhill slide with the wind at your back, you would be useless. Wouldn't you? I mean, if, if, if life was given to you on a silver platter, what would you be good for? Nothing. It is the tough times that we face in life that builds character. And God is saying, for you as believers, you need to count it pure joy. A jump up and down kind of joy. Woohoo! The tough times come into your life. Because you know God's doing something. God's up to something. God is about to make me a better person. You know, I really thought at one point in my ministry in life that things would get a whole lot easier and a whole lot better and I wouldn't have any problems and everything would just be great. How wrong was I? Life just gets tougher. The older you get, the tougher it gets. Now that's not very encouraging preaching, isn't it? You wouldn't hear that in, almost said Houston, but I'm not going to say. It is, it, it's, it's tough at times, but you know what? God is doing something during the tough times. So what you need to do is count it joy. Be joyful. Know God's making you a better person. One of the men I admire reading about was a leader in the Salvation Army years ago. His name was Samuel Logan Bringle. His writings on holiness and a holy life are not only classics, they are still applicable today. 
he, he, was a, he was a great guy. He was strong and vigorous, but then he, like the rest of us, started getting older. His health began to fail. He faced a multitude of problems, including, including failing eyesight and hearing and a weakened heart. But you know what his attitude was? He, he wrote to a friend and said, My old eyes get dimmer. The specialist says the light will fade altogether. So, I gird myself for darkness. I quote James 1, 2 through 4. Shout, Hallelujah! And go on. <laughs> Just go on. You know, that's what we as Christians are to do. And that's what it means to count it all joy. We quote James 1, 2 through 4. We shout hallelujah and we just go on. We keep going on. It, I don't live in a make-believe world and you don't either. I know the struggles that you have. I know the deep problems you have. I've, I've been your pastor for 17 years. I, I, know, I know you. I know what you're going through. But I also realize that every problem I do know about in your life, there are probably two or three more that I don't know about. But we all struggle, don't we? I mean, right now, every one of you, every one of you, you're going through something. You've got a problem. You're dealing with it. It's in your life. It's real. You're facing it. It could be a problem at home. You and your spouse aren't getting along. It could be a problem with your kids. Maybe you've suffered a loss recently and you're grieving and you're lonely. Maybe you're having financial pressures, a family crisis. These are the tough realities of life. But, and again I say, but they are not a reason for you to lose your joy. In fact, they are the very reason you should choose joy. Because more than anything else, you need the strength that God's joy provides. You need the inner resources of the Holy Spirit. You need the radiance that comes from Christ Himself. Today you need to remember to make a joyful noise before the Lord and to serve the Lord with gladness. You need to remember that in His presence is fulfilling joy. And that you can even count it all joy when you face diverse trials. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. And the fruit of the Spirit is joy. So, very simply, choose joy. Choose joy. It improves your personalities. It increases our energy. It transforms our worship. And it bears us through difficulty. Let me tell you what it is. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory. So here's the deal. God, God has His joy dispensers up here. Spraying it out. His perfume of joy. It's the oil of joy. Jesus had more than anybody. Jesus, He's wanting to disperse it on you. He's wanting you to get under that dispenser this morning. 
let him spray it on you. So that when you walk out of here, you are a different person than you were when you came in. He can do it. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would uh, speak to every heart that is here. Lord, make us hungry today to have that joy and to be able to rejoice always. Lord, take us to that deeper place in our spiritual walk with you. And dear Jesus, it is my humble prayer that if there's anyone here today who needs to accept Christ as their personal Lord and Savior and find the joy of salvation, that they would come and receive that free gift this morning. Lord, if there's a believer who needs to recommit their life to you, may they do so today. And for the rest of us, may, may we just come today and offer ourselves as a sacrifice of praise to you. Dear Lord, I don't know about the rest of the folks here today, but I need to be filled up with your joy. I need you to spray a little bit of it on me. So, dear Lord, I'm asking that you give my life some joy today. Help us to sense your presence. Dear Lord Jesus, I pray that as we have exalted you, you would draw people to yourself right now. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask that you stand. And as soon as you stand up, if you feel the urge or the need to come and pray, would you do that? Just step out and come.